3. Now we'll use several different passages tonight. And we'll read some verses together. And then I'll show you where we're going to leave out. Am I seeing things or is the lights dimming on us? All right. Maybe the telephone poles is getting cold. I don't know. Romans chapter 3. Yeah, the lights are flickering as sure as the world. I'm not seeing things. All right, Romans chapter number 3. Is that the light show for the night? Okay. One of you boys got the, a screwdriver and the, and the paddle box back there again, messing around with it. All right, Romans chapter number 3, verse 3. I'm going to get on to preaching. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Then Romans chapter number 4, one chapter over, verse 20, while you're turning there, it's so good to have Miss Shirley back with us today. Amen. Amen. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. You'll need not turn to it. You can be turning to Mark chapter number 4, if you would like. Mark chapter number 4 and just save your place right there. But First John five thirteen says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. With the help of the Lord, I want to preach on this thought. I want to believe, but I'm afraid. I want to believe, but I'm afraid. Let's go to the throne of grace one more time. I'm going to ask um, uh, Gene, go ahead and pray for us. Oh, yes. Yes, Lord. Amen. Many say, and our thing this year is daring to believe God. But many say, preacher, I want to believe, but there's something holding them back. Perhaps they've had a crisis of faith where their expectations of God or answering wasn't what they expected. I remember having this building finished the entire building, everything was done except for the parking lot. And it rained every day. And I would pray 
Lord, we need you to stop the rain. And I would look outside, and it was raining harder than what it was before I prayed. And I would remember saying, Lord, what are you doing? And, uh, and I want to build the message tonight on this thought and around this truth. Don't, don't miss this. When we just can't believe it's not the God of the Scripture we're rejecting. It's our perception of the God, the Scriptures. Let me tell you again. When we just can't believe it's not the God of Scriptures we're rejecting. It's the God we perceive Him to be in Scripture. Let me, let me illustrate it this way. And, and tonight, I, I want this is a tremendous, tremendous truth that I'm ever learning. But I'm going to illustrate it this way. And I'm going I'm to show in just a minute. Now, Jack, you get ready. I'm going to show you three different TV shows and see if you remember what there was. I mean, if you do, I want you to, to shout it out what the show was. Okay, number one. All right. Second show. Third show. Plane, the plane, the plane, you know that show. <laughs> and all of these shows had one common theme to them. You can go back to the first screen, I believe. I don't want them looking at that all night long. They all had a common thread. That if you went to watch these shows, you had to be in front of your TV when that show come on. If you missed it, then you just missed it. They wasn't going no they wasn't going back and watching it. But now we got boxes. I have one called a DVR. And I can record shows and I can watch them when I want to. Zip through commercials, praise God, and watch the playoff games when I get home tonight. Amen. And that's the reason we'll have to shoot Jimmy Drum if he plays the Super Bowl on my screen in a couple weeks. I mean, I done got the gun. I'll just, we'll just shoot him, be done with him. But we'll have a nice funeral for you. But this technology is on-demand TV. Now we have what's called on-demand TV. And that culture and that thinking has found itself in the world we live in. We go to a restaurant, we will on-demand service. On service now. And we're all out of frame if we got to wait a few minutes. You're not one of them, hon them horn honkers, are you? In the line at, well, at, uh, at McDonald's, surely you're not one of those. Because you had to wait a minute for, for this or that. But we, are, we, we live in an on-demand world. We want it now. We want it fast. 
and we want it the way we want it. Unfortunately, I can prove this. How many of you have paid more for a product that's at Walmart so you don't have to wait two days on it, ordering it on Amazon? How many? Go, go, go ahead and confess. You'll help you. You'll feel better when the service is over. How many have paid more for a product because you wanted it now? Go ahead. I'm going to see your hands. How want all get the rest of you? You know you have. We all have, have we not? And this mentality and this thinking has come crept in to our Christianity and we want an on-demand God. I pray for it and I want it now. Perhaps you've been praying for a person and nothing's happened. Perhaps you're praying for your marriage or a job and nothing's no better. Then you're challenged to believe and you want to believe, but can I help you tonight? Your own demand God does not exist. Did you hear what I was saying? Your own demand God does not exist. And we need to get a right view of Him. God doesn't exist to serve us. We exist to serve Him. God doesn't exist to do what we think He should do. He's a master. We're not. God's not a genie in a bottle that you rub it, say abracadabra, and get three wishes. Isaiah 64 8 says, But now, O Lord, thou art our Father. We are the clay, and thou art our potter, and we are all the works of thy hands. There's folks sitting home tonight because their own demand God didn't do what they expected him to do. I prayed, I believed, and he didn't perform the way I thought he's supposed to perform. And I submit to you, they don't know the God of heaven. They totally missed the God of heaven. God's not an on-demand God. Matter of fact, let me give you a good illustration. As a parent, you have the power to give your children most of everything they want. But a good parent, I said a good parent, doesn't do that. Because a good parent desires to teach a child character, working for what they want, and responsibility and appreciation. You want to destroy a child, give it everything he wants. Then they'll grow up expecting everybody else to give them everything they want. May I say the Heavenly Father desires to do the same. I want to believe, but I'm afraid. Now turn, if you would, to Mark chapter 4. I want to illustrate this and give you the truth for tonight. In Mark chapter 4, in verse number 35... 
And the same day when the sun was come, he saith unto them, the Lord's teaching the disciples this great truth. He said, let us pass over to the other side. And when they sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there was also with him other little ships. Now understand, the Lord's eyes got these disciples in school, and he's teaching them some life's lesson. Verse 37. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. Situation now turns bad. And all of a sudden, this situation puts them in panic mode. And the Bible says in verse 38, And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillar. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? That what master means. We know you're a teacher. We know you're an instructor. Let me tell you later on, and we'll not read it for a second time, but later on they call him Lord because their perception of who he is has changed. And he'll show himself to all power and peace and promise. And he does here. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the Peace be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. Then he turned and asked two questions. Maybe he's asking you these questions tonight. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? And how is it you have no faith? Now this was a question for them and us as well. Perhaps you're thinking, I'm not afraid of anything or anyone. Well, you just lied. Everyone fears something. Job 3.25 said, For the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me, and that which I was afraid of has come unto me. And if Satan can get you fearful, he'll cripple your ability to do anything for God. So how do we deal with this? I want to believe. I love the theme of the church this year. I want to believe but I'm afraid. How do we overcome these? How does a different view of Him change my thinking? Number one, if you got your hand out, number one, refuse to be controlled by the situation. God, help us. If I could do anything for Solid Rock Baptist Church, the greatest thing we could do is quit being controlled by every little situation that comes our way. Lord, how we allow situations to take control of our life. It's amazing. It's amazing.
It's amazing. In verse 35, in the same day when evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over to the other side. Now that's what God said for them to do. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. Now, all of a sudden, here comes the situation. And there arose a great storm of wind. Notice something with me. Number A, fear came after they started. Fear came after they started. They didn't get the benefit of seeing the situation before they started. By the way, God's probably not going to show you the situation either. Halfway through this marriage, I've already invested in this business. Here I am, sailing along, and then suddenly, without warning, a storm. There's such a thing called a rogue wave. And they're called monster waves. They're called killer waves. They're considered very dangerous. And one of the reasons they are, they're rare, unpredictable, and they appear suddenly without warning. And they come with tremendous force. Someone said this. Everybody's happily married on the first day. You hear what I said? Everybody is happily married on the first day. No one plans for the divorce court. No one plans for the situation to take over life. But what happens in the situation takes advantage of the vulnerability of our lives and literally it takes on a life of itself. I, I, just, just the other week, a man lost his wife. He, he comes and does a service for here at the church. And, and in his loneliness, he remarried again only to realize very quickly what a mistake. But in, the, in that situation come a lot of its own because of fear of living alone. Fear came after they started. Number two, fear determined the outcome. Listen what they're saying. He was in the hundred point of the ship asleep on a pillow. Time out. Do you remember he said, we're going to the other side? Does everybody remember he said, we're passing over to the other side? Do you remember that? Okay, listen what they said. And they awake him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? All of a sudden, fear determined the outcome. We're done. We're going under. We're going to perish. It's already done. It's already happened. We're going under. That's it. It's over. That's fear determining the outcome. And that's a lie. Because Jesus said, we're going to the other side. May I tell you, they was going to the other side no matter what. 
and fear determined the outcome. You want to get in a mess, you allow fear to determine the outcome instead of what God has said. Number three, number C, fear desires to gain control. The spirit of fear takes advantage in your most vulnerable time. Ships filling up with water. The wind's blowing. I'm out of money. Cars breaking down. Got laid off work for two weeks. It's Christmas time again. Got taxes due. Bunch of thieves, amen. Spirit of fear. The spirit of fear seeks to gain control of your life and seeks to intimidate. Have you seen someone who's been intimidated by fear? I fired a feller. I fired a feller. He's selling dope at the, at on a job, and they told me. They said he's carrying a gun, so I went out and I said, oh, "You got a gun?" He said, "I said, give it here." He handed it to me. I took him out to our office and I fired him. And those people gave him the gun back. He said, word, I'm going to shoot him for firing me. So one of my friends there said, said, boss, don't worry. I'll bring you a 25 automatic. It'll fit in your back pocket. He brought me a 25 automatic. And I carried that thing around about a half day. Then I got to thinking, if somebody comes around the corner and says, boo, I'm going to jerk that gun out and, and fill it full of holes before I think about it. I mean, I, I said, no, I'm not going to live like that. I give the fellow his gun. I said, take it to your car. And, and I, I said, I'm not going to do that. Now, could he have? He could have. He could have. But I refuse to live in a spirit of fear. Let me give you God's remedy for the spirit of fear. Power. For God had not given us a spirit of fear, but a power. It means force, miraculous power, ability. Do you believe God's got the power to keep us safe? Amen. Amen. Love. Affection, benevolence. Do you believe God loves you? Amen. And a sound mind, discipline, self-control. Fear has a way of getting into our minds and running out of control. I mean, what we do so often is we choose fear without thinking it through. Sad part is when fear takes control, then your thoughts of who God is and what God is gets distorted. We come up with our own conclusion. Master, cast all not 
that we perish. So lesson number one, refuse to be controlled by the situation. Let me ask the question. Me and Miss Steins have been married this June to be 44 years. There's been times I didn't know where the next, what in the world we was going to do. I was, I was telling them in Sunday school this morning, I went to the mailbox, jerked out a letter, didn't think about it, just opened it. And it's from the IRS. And it said I, was, I owed $15,000 back taxes. Thought I was going to have a coronary right there. But what was sad, it was my neighbor's mail. So I put it back in there. He's got a dog. I took it right straight of our dog and all. Knocked on the door and I said, here, sir, this is your mail. Walked back across the road and said, hallelujah! <laughs> Boy, I've seen times in the last 45 years, I didn't know what we was going to do. But you know what I've seen? I've seen in the midst of all those times, I've seen God come through time and time and time again. Oh, don't don't miss this. We get caught up. That brings me to the second one. Remind yourself about what you believe and know. I know I'm saved. I mean, knows you're saved tonight. Praise God. Ain't that good enough? I know he called me. I know he placed me in his work. I know he placed me here at Solid Rock Baptist Church. And I know his hands on this church. Please listen carefully. I believe this happens in every service we have. The Bible said for in Hebrews 4, to, for unto us it was a gospel preached as well unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. You can hear the word of God and be of no profit. There's a group heard this morning. There's a group heard this morning. But it absolutely did nothing for them. Somebody's got a phone going off. I'm glad it's not mine. Why? Because they didn't believe the message was for them. There's a group, and I love them. They heard the message, but they didn't believe God had a word for them. How you know? Because they would be here if they did. So the faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Boy, this is hard because you have fear screaming. Water's coming in the boat. Ship is going under. We're going over. We're perishing. Fear screaming. Look at me. Look at me. Faith, faith says, won't you just believe in what God said? Said, we're going to the other side. There's an amazing truth in the Bible. I didn't know this. Before Calvary, 
the disciples had many fear moments. But at Calvary, a cross, a tomb, an empty tomb, and after the resurrection, I challenge you to find where they ever had a fear moment. Because Jesus did something. Jesus destroyed our greatest enemy, and that is death. Now you say, I don't fear death. No, you will. You, you've just not got there yet. If you, when you get there, you'll have a fear, but Jesus can take the fear away. Number B, faith says believe he's in control of all situations. Storm did surprise the Lord. Storm was there to display. And our storms come to display our fear or our faith. And a storm will display one of the two in your life. And he said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And in Luke 8, 25, where is your faith? They start out with a measure of faith. They got in a boat and they started. But when the storm came, came this turning point. Don't miss this. They had allowed the storm to erode what they believed and placed doubt in what they knew. They had allowed the storm, they had allowed the storm to erode what they believed, literally erode it and placed doubt in what they knew. That brings me to the third thing. Replace fear of the seen with faith in the unseen. Hebrews 11, 1, Now faith is substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Mark 4, 41, And they feared exceedingly, he said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? I love this. God says, I know your fear is real and I know how hard it is, but you're not going to do it in your strength. Let me show you, by the way, I can care for your storm just as easily as I can care for you. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and that was a great calm. Not just calm, a great calm. May God get us. Tonight could be the beginning for some of you. May God get us to the place that we develop a relationship with Jesus and we seek Him in a different way. Why don't you tonight, and there's some watching by way of streaming tonight, I'm sure. 
When are you going to take God off trial? Why is it when the situation comes, you pitch him up on, a, on, on the witness stand again and put him on trial? Why don't we just take him off trial and just let him be who he's always been throughout eternity and will be no matter what you or I do? God Almighty, King of kings and Lord of lords. Why don't we just take him off trial tonight and just trust him, just believe him? You say, well, what if the storm don't get any better? He's still God. He's still God. And I'm going to trust him. You say, well, why do we go under? I'll go under trusting him. Why we don't, I'll not make it trusting him. I'm just going to trust him. Just dare to believe him no matter what. That's kind of like the story in the Old Testament. We really like this story, don't we? You bow, boys, or there's a fire furnace waiting on you over there. And I said, King, we know our God can deliver us. We know that. But said, just so you know, where he does or where he doesn't, where did I go to bow? King is red-faced and angry. Fires is seven times worse. And they didn't flinch. Why? Because they knew that whatever God ordered, it was okay. See, we need to get a hold of this and trust him. Dr. Howell said this, don't ask for fears to be removed, but ask for courage equal to your fears. Let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed.